Welcome to the Homeschool Loftcast, a podcast presented by the Homeschool Loft in De Pere, Wisconsin. Our goal at the Loft is to encourage parents who educate their children at home and let them know that they are both called to and empowered for the task of home-based education. At the Loft itself, we offer one-on-one consultations, book clubs and discussion groups, and workshops and seminars. Through the Loftcast, we extend our reach to encourage and bless homeschooling parents everywhere. Today, we welcome Britton LaTulip, homeschooling father of eight and the founder and president of Blue Manor Education and Blue Manor Online Academy. Britton is the author of more than 70 children's books, the creator of several early learning curriculum sets, and the author of the Art of Raising Children for Greatness series. After attending an elite prep school in Virginia, he realized that the greatest disparity between the rich and the poor was not their wealth, but their quality of education. Now it is Britain's mission to bring elite education into the world of homeschooling. Welcome, Britain. Thank you so much for having me. Welcome, Britain. I am so excited about this because I listened, I researched you, and I listened to some of your interviews with other people. But let's start with a bit more about your background. We've heard some of your story on other podcasts, but tell our audience why and when you found yourself at the Virginia prep school and how, how? (laughs) So I think it was just by the grace of God, but what really happened was, (laughs) so other kids, they work really hard to get into prep schools and they get really good grades or they're, you know, they're spectacular athletes or something like that. What happened to me was I got into a lot of trouble and my mom (laughs) was so desperate and, and it was, it was kind of a broken family situation, Mm. but she, she didn't know what to do with me and the school couldn't fix me. And I had gotten in trouble a little bit with the law. And so they, there was oh. like nothing was really working. And so she mortgaged her home and mm. she went all in and she sent me to a boarding school. It was a military boarding school. And she was, I think she was just hoping to, to, you know, shape me up the military school. I don't think she realized what a prep school was. She just was hoping for some discipline. Yeah. And so that's how I ended up there. I didn't do anything miraculous or anything like that. <laughs> luckily I got in and then it did. It just transformed my life. It was amazing. And, and it wasn't, it wasn't over a long period of time. I mean, it was like when you walked on campus, you became a different person. Just immediately you realize I'm in a different place, a different environment. And it was just a, like a miracle. And it wasn't just with me. I mean, it was with all these kids and some of them were really bad. I mean, they had some really good kids, but the military academies aren't everybody's first choice. So a lot of kids get kicked out of other boarding schools and they get sent to these military academies to shape them up. So we had some rough kids there and it was just a miracle how they shape people up immediately. I mean, there was almost no behavioral problems for the mm-hmm. most part. And, and so basically what happened is fast forward, I, I didn't realize what I went to, I just thought I went to a really good school, but I eventually became a parent and I was like, I want that for my daughter. I want that experience. She has to go to a prep school. And I started researching just how much they cost. These aren't normal private schools that are down the street. You know, these are... Mm-hmm. 50, 60, $100,000 a year schools. Oh I have eight Lord. kids now. So I'm like, oh, I can't, you <laughs> wow. know, and at the time it was just one, but even then, I mean, 30, yeah, yeah. 50,000 a year, there's just no way. Wow. And, so and you have I to probably like, apply before you were even pregnant, right? Uh, well, yeah, well, it depends. I mean, if you have the money, you can usually get your kids in, but they can, some of them are very, very competitive. Yeah. It's yeah. really hard to get in oh, and yeah. people live by the schools and their legacies. So there's many generations. It's, yes. it's more elite than like Harvard. So like in the world of the elite, it's like, what prep school did you go to more than which college did you go to? So it, it is really hard to get into. And then I was in Idaho and there's actually only one prep school in Idaho. It's up in Sun Valley where all the billionaires kind of have their secret meetings and stuff. And <laughs> 
it's really expensive. It. And so I realized, you know, I, I couldn't, I couldn't provide that for my daughter. And so we looked at some private schools and maybe public schools and stuff like that. And we kind of stumbled into homeschooling. And then I was like, well, I could, I can do this. I, I'll create a prep school for my daughter. And that was kind of what, how Blue Manor Academy was birthed, let's say the idea. Yeah. And then it's been, it's been about a 10 year journey of trying to create that prep school for my daughter and my children. And then of course, trying to pass that on for other parents in the homeschool world. What were some of the specific things that were different at your prep school that you wanted to, to recreate um, compared to the other schooling experiences you had and, and what else you knew from schooling? Cause you said it was instant that you saw it. What were some of those things? You know, it's, it's funny. I wish I had the camera, we were on camera, but I'd show you, I've written about, I think I've written about 1400 pages so far trying to describe the differences. <laughs> and, and so it's not like something that's super easy to do, but just, just to give you just a tiny idea before we get going of like what the success rate, I should say of a prep school, like how good these things are. I think that's important. And then I can describe the method. So I would say you have to understand like our, the prep schoolers run America. They're half a percent of the population. They run everything. Okay. It's it's like a rigged fight. Our last four presidents, so that's Bush, Obama, Trump, and now Biden, all prep schoolers. Half of our Supreme Court is prep schoolers. And this is half a percent of the population. If you want to go to like an Ivy League college like Harvard or Yale or Princeton, something like that, the chances you would get in from a public school is 0.01%. So that's one in 10,000 public schoolers make it into those schools. And the prep schools, it's about 35 to 40%. So um, it's a tremendous different, you know, like Bill Gates, Elon Musk, Mark Zuckerberg. We think of those guys as these like nerdy geniuses, you know, they're just gifted <laughs> genes, right? No, they're all prep schoolers. And, and mm -hmm. Mark Zuckerberg and Elon Musk, or uh, not Elon Musk, sorry, Bill Gates, they both dropped out. I think it was Harvard in their, I think it was junior and sophomore year. So they didn't get that elite education at Harvard. They got it from prep school. And at mm -hmm. 19 years old, Zuckerberg is founding a billion dollar Facebook empire. Right. So the prep schoolers just win everything. And it is like a thrown fight. I compare it to, if, are you familiar with like jujitsu or MMA or, or yes. UFC? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. I, I would say without getting into all the history, like of revealing school, that's one of the books I wrote, wrote and it was, you know, 450 pages. So it's a, it's a big read. I saw it. In, in a nutshell, <laughs> it's, it's a thrown fight. So on purpose, these prep schoolers are getting this elite education and it's like they're being trained in MMA and they have weight coaches and they're dieting and jujitsu and Muay Thai, like the works, professional fighters. And then the kids in public school are being trained in like yoga. That's and so right. it looks like we have <laughs> yes. this democratic system where anybody can get into the arena and they can. Yep. Yeah. But for the mm -hmm. most part, these public schoolers will get annihilated. And it's not because they're inferior. It's because they, they didn't have a chance. They don't have the training. It's, uh, it's That's a, exactly it's a right. Fight. Yeah. Yeah. So then what is the difference? Well, there's a whole bunch of differences and we, we call it raising children for greatness. Mm -hmm. And it's not some generic slogan. That's that what we, is what we have kind of coined our movement as like what we are doing. And, oh, what are the differences? Well, for one, one example would be that they're always boarding schools, that these elite prep schools mm -hmm. are always boarding schools because they realize that the education has to be 24 hours a day. It can't mm -hmm. just be a class you sit in and you learn a few things and then you go home and live a different life. Like they have to yes. shape your body, mind, and spirit. And they can't do that if you go home. In fact, a lot of these kids who are getting into trouble, if they went back into their home environment, the school wouldn't work. Right. 24 hours a day, which is a huge yeah. advantage if homeschoolers would get on board because we have our kids 24 hours a day. Yep. So we, we can create that. Right. Um, another difference would be they teach the subjects of greatness. And, and I want to say too, that I'm not holding up like prep school is the model. We have a superior 
version, which is the homeschool prep school movement. Mm -hmm. And what we're trying to do is tap back into the, the old aristocracy and the royalty, how they raised their children for greatness. Mm -hmm. It's very similar to the prep schools. We have to remember the original prep schools were created for peasants by the Kings. It was, to, mm -hmm. it was, it was a, like a, the original prep school Eaton college, which is famous throughout the world mm -hmm. was, was paid for by King Henry. And it was to educate, I think it was 70 poor boys to give them an education, but his mm -hmm. own children were privately mm -hmm. tutored and, you know, educated yeah. at his side. So right. we do have, I'm not pushing the prep school model and it's not perfect. Yeah. Right. But one of the things that they do is they teach the subjects of greatness and those aren't even introduced. Uh, most people don't even know what those are in the public school. But I tell people, you know, if, if you, if your kid wins every spelling bee and he's just a suit, you know, we think that's awesome. Wow. He's the spelling champion of the world. What does that do for him? It might give him some sort of social platform or something like that, but you can't rule the world by being the best speller. So even <laughs> if you get straight A's and you win all the subjects in public school, you still lose because you've been trained in yoga. You don't even know the subjects of greatness to go toe to toe with like a Donald Trump or an Elon Musk, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and so that's one of the things that we do at Blue Manor Academy. We try to really hone in on the subjects of greatness and we're okay with losing the spelling bees. Yeah. We're okay with losing the geography bowls, mm -hmm. but we want to win in the subjects of greatness. And Let's talk about those, those forgotten subjects of greatness. Tell us, tell us. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, so what are those? All right. Yes. Well, one of them is, okay. There's, I, I say that there's nine. Okay. The nine subjects of greatness. One of those is youth and people that, that might like, you don't even know what to do with that. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I'm actually going to read them off. I'm going to try to find it. Okay. I'm gonna, okay. So one of them is youth. One of them is genius. Mm -hmm. One of them is wisdom. There's wealth, of course, but not in the way you think of it. Mm -hmm. There's society, there's leadership, there's beauty, there's family, and there's religion. So these are the nine powerhouses, the things that rule the world. Um, you think of religion. I mean, it was really a battle of religions in Europe and for supremacy of the world for a long time. It was the, mm -hmm. the Muslims and the Christians and the Jews, and there's been other religions. So religion is a very powerful thing. Um, family is a powerful thing. A lot of people don't realize Europe was ruled by a handful of families for a long time with the old uh, monarchies and aristocracy. Mm -hmm. It's just a handful of families. Like yeah. in World War One, there was three cousins one in Russia, who's the czar, the Kaiser, and then the king of England. They were three cousins. So it's just a handful of families that ruled. Mm -hmm. Well, we think democracy was promoted and we have a republic and equality, but actually it's the same thing. It's a handful of families that overthrew those monarchs and they run the world today as a handful mm -hmm. of banking families. So it's the same thing. Family is super powerful. And that's yes. why so much has been done to hamstring the family, everybody else's families. Mm -hmm. Right. That's um, exactly it. Well, and even like boarding schools, right? The kids are kept away from their families. That's where homeschooling has an advantage, right? Because like you said, the children are with their families, not kept away from them. I, I think so. I don't know that it was an advantage because like I wasn't doing well in my family. So family can be super powerful. It can also be very destructive yeah. because it's powerful. Yeah. And the modern family is in chaos, so mm. it's not necessarily an advantage if you don't do it right. And that's why we have to teach children how to do it right. That's but people right. don't know. The churches don't know. Nobody knows. <laughs> the divorce rate is just as high in the church. Yes, yeah. yes. We had pagans from the past that had better marriages than we yeah. have the Christians in the church. We totally lost the art of family. Yep. We don't understand it. Um, another one of those that I, I constantly tell the kids because you have a small window and then this power, it vanishes. Mm -hmm. and that's youth. You have to take advantage of your youth. You have to. Um, there, 
in the book I talk about, and we've lost this concept because the youth have been totally hamstring. They've been put in little mm-hmm. classrooms from <laughs> the age of five mm-hmm. until really if they go through college into their twenties yep. yep, and then they come out of college with so much debt and that's right. And, and they're just starting their careers. They, mm-hmm. their whole youth passes and they can't capture it. But I give the example of, of like uh, Scipio Africanus, for example, he was the greatest conqueror until Julius Caesar of the Romans and Rome was being sacked by Hannibal. Mm-hmm. And Hannibal's this young guy and he's going and just destroying all these older, wiser, like Roman generals. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then Hannibal gets older and he sacked Rome and he goes back to Carthage. So he's in Africa and the Romans are like, Hey, who wants to go back and try to defeat this guy? And there's this young guy and his name is Africanus, which Africa's named after him. Right. And he's like, send me. And he's just this young punk. And his, his father and his uncle were, were great Roman older generals who were conquered and killed by Hannibal. Mm-hmm. And this young guy has the audacity to say, hey, send me, I'll go back. And now he <laughs> takes on this experienced, older, wiser Hannibal, and he annihilates him. And there's just something about the audacity of youth that makes it so powerful and so intense. That's why these revolutions yes. are usually kicked off by the youth. They mm-hmm. don't know that they can die. They have this immortal <laughs> mindset. And yeah, it's just like, yeah. it's invincible. Even right. me, I, I do jujitsu. I fight. I'm very experienced. I have a high belt, you know, and I go up against some of these 20 year, old, you know, year olds and I don't want to hurt them. I don't want to break their arm. I I, I don't want to get hurt as much. I, but yeah. I remember being 20 and it was like, break my arm. I'm not tapping. And, and that's how they are. And they're ferocious. Mm. And there's a real intensity to youth, um, the power of youth. And it's it's being squandered. I mean, mm. uh, the greatest generals, many of the greatest kings like Alexander, they conquered the world in their late, not teens always, but middle yeah, 20s. Yeah. Yep. When yeah. Our kids are just barely getting started. So mm-hmm. that's one of the powers, you know, genius is another power. It helps to be a genius. Uh, <laughs> it, it, you can imagine. And we would think it's just a matter of the luck of your genes. You just get lucky. You get good genes and you have an Elon Musk or you have a Mark mm-hmm. Zuckerberg or somebody like that. No, you can create genius. And this is, this has been, um, I think proven many times in history, like an example would be Mozart and Beethoven. Both of their fathers were composers and they realized that they had passed the ability to be a genius. So you have these older guys, they've studied music their whole life and they know that I'll never be great. I'll I'll be a good composer, but I'll never be great. So they turn to their three-year-old son like Mozart Mm -hmm. and they start training him. And by the time he is 12 years old, he's only been doing music for a little while. He's operating on a genius level. Mm. And, um, And you say, okay, well, so how do you do that? Mm-hmm. Well, you hyper-focus at an early age and the brain is then wired for music and it's, it thinks on a higher plane. I, I mm-hmm. talked to my kids about this. I started playing chess in actually at prep school and I was pretty good. I became the captain of my team and I, you know, I won some tournaments or you know, I did okay. Mm-hmm. And when I was, my daughter started playing when she was about six or seven. Mm-hmm. And by the time she was eight, she was beating me. <laughs> and she won the state championship her first year. She won it, you know, th- I think three times in a row and then we stopped. And then one year, uh, all three of our kids won the state championship for their grade in Idaho. And wow. they were on another level. I couldn't play with them. They're just thinking on another level because their brain has been wired for chess. And right. my brain's been wired a hundred different ways. And mm-hmm. I just, I can't operate on that plane. Mm-hmm. And so it's really important. The parents understand that they can tap into genius at a really early age, but we don't focus our kids until they're almost in college and it's too late to wire genius. So I don't know if that makes sense. And there are others, you know? Yeah. So Blue Manor Academy and how do you actually implement those nine subjects of greatness in your program <clears throat> with kids well, that aren't your own? 
we're trying, we're doing it. Um, it, it's, it's a little, it's a work in progress, Mm -hmm. but we're trying to get younger children and, and get them going like focused. And a lot of it, I can't do on my own. I have to teach the parents the methods and then they can implement it and they can use the academy to like, is it, is a tool to aid them. Um, but yeah, you're right. I can't like hyper-focus somebody else's kids yeah. at this point. I can, but I do teach like writing. I teach art mm-hmm. and the subjects I teach, you know, we start very early age and, and try to, you know, tap into that genius. I don't know that we've created any like geniuses, maybe some of my own kids in chess or something, but not like we yeah. haven't d- accomplished that yet, but it could be done. And we're working towards that, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. And the thing of it is, is, I mean, we know this in the sense of, you know, we talk to so many parents and the frustration is the fact that the parents are on this mindset of they're done being educated, right? Like learning's done. I went to school, mm-hmm. I graduated, we're all finished. And so they're not excited about it no matter how much time you spend with kids, I taught classically, no matter how much time you spend on all of these things and the parents aren't side by side with you, it's, it's all for naught. They Mm -hmm. go back to that same environment, do that same exact thing. But, um, homeschooling, let's go back to this because here, there's your life. All this comes about, you decide to homeschool your own kiddos. And from the beginning, tell us about that. How did that How'd that whole thing come about? What led you to choose homeschooling? Obviously, we just talked about it and that might have something to do with it, but mm-hmm. right. But how did it play yeah, out? I mean, it was yeah. it was a financial decision. I couldn't afford it. <laughs> and then there was other things too. And I was just, I, I spent some time in the military. I went through uh, Army Special Forces training. And I got selected and I did about a year and a half of training. I didn't jump school and SEER and leadership and wow. uh, small unit tactics, all the schools. And then I got a knee injury and I had a, a bad, I got into it with a, a one of my, officers and uh, it ended well that's up being not, a, not a smart thing to do Britton. <laughs> yeah well i don't know i think he was picking on me a little bit but yeah he kind of he kind of honed me out and we anyway it wasn't a happy ending i did i did go back to my unit i was a guard guy i went back to my unit and it ended well but i, I got a knee injury and i got out and i was just like i was very sold on being with my family at that point i'm like the lord yeah. you know the brotherhood of the arms is cool you know and everything but yep. when rubber hits the road there's nothing like family Right. So I wanted to do the family thing. And I, I want, I said, okay, I can homeschool my kid. I can create this academy for my kid. And Mm -hmm. I had a ton to unlearn because I did start off just kind of more of the traditional route. Yeah. And my my daughter, we have, you know, pictures of them. They can name all the countries on the globe, like three. I mean, it's really, and people (laughs) were just blown away. Like they were like this genius level and they won the state championships and, and we're doing really well according to the the school standards. Uh And at some point as I'm researching more and more, I, I started thinking, well, what does that matter? Like if, if my kid took calculus, have I ever used calculus? I took AP calculus in my whole life. Have I ever used calculus. I, I don't know. And what are, and, and, and so that's where the last book is power. And it really taps into what makes you powerful in the world. Mm-hmm. And, and then why would you want to be powerful? Because we're at a point like in Christendom where we have no champions in the field. When you think mm-hmm. of the powerful players, in fact, we did this in one of our wealth classes. We looked it up. Like who are the 10, I think we just did 10, but the 10 wealthiest people in the world. Christians used to be all of them, basically. I mean, we were superpower, right? Today, there was zero. Mm. There was zero. They were Jewish, a lot of Jewish people. There was like maybe a Muslim or two, and there were some atheists like Bill Gates, but Christians aren't even on the board. When mm. we look at the leading politicians, there are no Christians. And so I was like, well, we need to, we need to rate it up some of our own champions. And what would that entail? And so Blue Manor is kind of morphed. Like in the beginning, we were really about the traditional subjects and honing in on those. And then at some point we said, no, we'll, I'm willing to lose every spelling bee that's trivia. 
Mm-hmm. Here are the essential things. Here are the things I can't lose. Yeah. yeah. Um, wisdom is another subject of greatness. Your kids have to learn wisdom. They don't teach it in the schools anymore. And this is so funny because education used to pretty much primarily be the wisdom literature. Yeah. And we have that wisdom literature. And it used to be like a standard subject in school that the aristocracy would educate their children. In fact, Aesop's Fable, I think there's somewhere, I think I've read that there's 2000. I've only found a few hundred of them, but mm-hmm. those are really just lessons of wisdom that were written for the aristocracy's children by a tutor to pass on wisdom. These are truth. Yep. If you look, like, or the Proverbs, like wisdom. Yes. Right. So even learning that. Mm-hmm. that should be the foundation of education, wisdom. Yep. It's right. not always true, but it's often true that if you live this way, you'll live a better life. And we're yeah. too busy, you know, teaching them calculus and chemistry and physics, yep. things that they probably won't use very often, but wisdom you'd use every day. Yeah. And so we started to morph that. And like on Blue Man Academy, we have the wisdom literature and instead of using textbooks that have been rewritten, we try to introduce you to the original authors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, living so, books. Yeah, and, and, and the original source, because there's so much debate, like with Christopher Columbus, was he a genocidal maniac or was he a good God-fearing Christian or something? <laughs> there's such extremes and, and there's yes. scholars on both sides. It's like, yep. we don't have to pick a side or listen to the debates. Why don't we just go to the historical record and yes. we'll read what was written about him, That's what right. he wrote about himself in the journals, and then we can make up our own mind. You know, yes. uh, there's. I was listening to these debates on the the found uh, the church fathers and stuff, right? And again, I, I don't really know. They're both claiming that the church fathers on this denomination side or this denomination side, and they both make great arguments. And I'm at their mercy. And I said, mm-hmm. you know what, I could do. I could just go read the church fathers for myself. I could put it on <laughs> Blue Manor Academy. We could read it, and then we can decide for ourselves. We can actually see it. Yeah. yeah. And so. That's where Blue Manor Academy is is kind of taking a shift. Mm. And, you know, with tapping into genius, it never occurred to me. I, I was kind of in the same boat as we have to wait and kind of see what our kids' gifts are. And this is probably the one of the biggest miracles, just breakthroughs. And so I did that with my daughter. And so she honed in on chess and she was doing really well. But I'm like, well, that's not going to pay the bills someday. <laughs> need to emphasize chess and, and pick something else. And so around, she was probably 10 or 11, maybe 12. And I finally like, you know, we need to kind of hone you into something. And she Mm. said she wanted to be an author and an artist, Mm. which are, which are really hard career paths. And so I said, you know, if you want to do that, you have some advantages. Your dad is an, is an author and an illustrator. So that might work for you, but you have to work harder than anybody in the world because the only people that are eating as artists and authors are the best, the top 0.1% make a decent living with that. So you have to be the best. And we started honing her in and about that age. So we missed the window maybe of genius, but she's still pretty young. And she's at 14, we'll publish a book soon that, that's professional. So she's done it. And then, wow. so I was like, well, that's cool. You know, that kind of worked. Yeah. So then I, I said, well, Emma, Emma was, didn't really know what she wanted to do or anything like that. And I was like, you know what Blue Manor Academy is? We have an author, we have some writer stuff. We need a videography. We need a photographer, videography for our, our academy. So I was just like, Emma, you are a family videographer, photographer. And we didn't wait to find her passion or anything. She didn't know. She liked a bunch of different things. I just anointed her. And she's like, cool. (laughs) She is now on a professional level in two years. It's amazing. She does professional videos for us Mm. and for advertisers and stuff that my wife does through her stuff. Mm -hmm. And, And my daughter's shooting it and she's on a professional level and she's 12. Wow. And then my son, Colton, the real Achilles heel to Blue Manor Academy is the coders. I'm like, Colton, mm. they're taking all of our money. That's your inheritance. They're taking all <laughs> of it. Yeah. So expensive. And uh-huh. I'm like, you are the family coder, you know? Yeah. And he's like seven years old and, oh. or eight or something. And 
<laughs> he is on a professional level. There's a, a father in the academy that takes kids from college and mentors them in like tech, you know, coders, mm-hmm, developers. Mm-hmm. And he's like, what those kids are learning in the, the coding club, like Colton's level is past what the kids know at coming out of college. Oh, yeah. I believe it. I literally believe it. Yep. Mm, And and it was amazing because I chose these Mm -hmm. and it became the kid's passion. And I realized like my kids, they're, they're all state champions in in chess, right? Even though we've, we've, we don't do it as much anymore, but I chose that. Like I, 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 that was my value and it became their passion. So it's not like you have these deep seated hidden passions necessarily. Mm-hmm. You can largely choose your child's passion. My kids love jujitsu. It just happens that their dad loves jujitsu, does jujitsu. You look at like the Serena Williams sisters, their dad was <laughs> obsessed with the tennis. He wanted to be them to be professional tennis. And of course they love it. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times we don't give kids that and they never discover a passion of their own or they get into school. And for me, I, I was passionate about everything. Like I, I watched the Olympics and I'm like, I want to be a figure ice skater. <laughs> that was cool when I was wow. like fourth grade. And then I, I went to my, my cousin, she was playing the fiddle and I was like, oh, it was so cool. And there's some cute girls up there. So I was like, I want to be a fiddle. My mom, and my mom would yeah. always support me. And then I wanted to be an artist. I was so good as an artist, yeah. very talented artist. I mean, my work as a kid, a little kid is almost what I do today. I haven't really progressed because I, I dropped <laughs> off but I was really good. And then I got to, to middle school and nobody cared about artists. It went from mm. being a cool thing in elementary to you're a loser. Yeah. So mm. I quit my art and I wanted to be like in a punk rock band and play drums. And <laughs> basically we have uh, an interest in many things, a plethora mm-hmm. of things. We could really go any rate. Yeah. We just need guidance and enthusiasm and it can become our passion. So like, this is pretty cool that I can help pick the passion of my child, which is so counterintuitive to everything that we teach. You're supposed to wait and discover and try all these different things. Mm. I can pick it and it can become a passion and then they can become a genius level of it, very high level or mastery at a very early age, which is a tremendous advantage. That's what you have with Mark Zuckerberg or, or those guys. He was coding it at you know, like six years old when other kids didn't even know what a computer was because wow. he's my age and I didn't have a computer until I was in high school and I didn't know how to use it hardly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so as, anyway. you, as you chose that for your kids though, are you like, did you choose based on something you saw in them? Like, I really think that she can do this. And so you, you directed her on this path that you had a need for as well, rather than just out of the blue, I'm going to have this kid do that without any, like something that you saw in them. I I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> I think I just needed it. I was like blue Banner Academy. Cause we're all going to go work for the family business. That's part of the powers, like mm. the, the, everybody works with the family business. You collaborate the family's power influence. Right. And that's why you see like Donald Trump and all of his kids, you know, work for his real estate empire and stuff. You, you know, if you raise a kid for greatness, you should, you should be able to harness that later. And so it's something that we needed. I'm like, we can't all be artists. And I just tested it. The only thing I would caution parents are is, is with the, the differences in the sexes. I, is a young, naive parent. I always believed in that, but my daughter seemed very boyish. Like she loved kind of jujitsu and fighting because she wanted to be like her dad. She's my oldest. Mm-hmm. And then she was she got into coding. And I was like, man, you can make so much money, especially as a girl coder, because everybody's <laughs> trying to promote that right now. So I promoted that. And then chess, she was a chess champion. She'd be all the boys in second grade, third grade, you know, fourth grade every year and a state champion. And so I was like, man, this, this I pushed that. Mm-hmm. But I kept seeing on the horizon, girls would hit puberty. Like there was another girl, she was a chess champion, homeschooler. She hit puberty and she didn't even want to do chess the next year. In fact, she showed up, she was all dolled up all of a sudden. She used to wear like think hard shirts, you know, oversized. <laughs> and then all of a sudden she's like wearing silly makeup and she didn't yeah. even want to participate. Right. And I was like, well, that's okay. That's that other girl. We had jujitsu. We had a girl who was a world champion. She won worlds in Vegas in our jujitsu club in, in Idaho. Mm-hmm. Really good. 
her, she hits puberty, she quits. Mm. The younger sister were like, well, she won't quit. She hits puberty and I believe she quit. <laughs> and so with my Audrey, I was like, I wanted her to be a coder and it just didn't work. Yeah. As soon as she hit puberty, she's like, I know why girls don't code. It's boring. It's stupid. She ate it. <laughs> yeah. And I was just like, okay, so, okay. So I'm probably going to push my daughters in a direction of traditional female uh, interests, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like art and writing and, and, and baking and, and photography and videography. And they can do great things. I would be happy if they wanted to be coders, yeah. but I, I just kind of bumped my head into that a few times mm-hmm. after they hit puberty, their, their, their passions kind of change. Yeah. But yeah, like with Colton, I don't know that he had any extra interest in coding. Mm-hmm. He was into, you know, building stuff and we just kind of anointed him. My my yeah. other son loves to draw. And so we said, okay, that's a good fit. He does have a passion for drawing. He draws all day long so he can be an artist, you know, anoint that. And so we're still testing it, but yeah, I think you yeah. can assign it and get enthusiastic. Yeah. And maybe if your kid ends up just hating that, like with the coding, right. my daughter, I was just like, I can't fight this battle. It's not yeah. a passion. She'll never yeah. be great if she's not passionate about it. So yeah. let's, let's redirect her. Yeah. Right. But, I would say too, that there's, I mean, we can look at families today, no matter whether it's good or whether it's bad and how you speak into your kids that they will become that, right. They're going to become good. They're going to become not so good. And so, I mean, there's stuff to say about that. I, I look at the podcasting thing and I mean, just looking at what Noah did, his dad loved podcasts back when podcasts were just coming about back <laughs> in the day. And, you know, Noah would just watch his dad all the time. Listen to pod, listen to, uh, um, money podcasts, profiting, profiting podcasting. And he would do that. He would listen. He would, he would hear it with his dad. Next thing you know, like any great dad, Joel bought him the equipment when he was uh, 16 years old. It sat in the basement. No, it didn't. You know, we thought, ah, oh, he's not going to use it, but it sat there. And then one day he said, hey, dad, I'm ready to start a podcast. He took it upon himself to call professors from Oxford University, just do all these things, who also had interest in history, just like himself, passionate people who are passionate about the subject. And um, next thing you know, he did it. We didn't help him. He's been a history kid from birth. But the reality is this is whatever that environment is in your home, it's a good chance when your parents are passionate about something that you, the kids will be passionate kind of about those same things. That's why there's, you know, if you if you have a family of musicians, right, it's everybody's in the family. Yeah, it's a gifting, but it's also a passionate thing in the home that they're around. So what do you say about that? I, I think that's absolutely correct. And I think that we've mm-hmm. bought in so many lies. And and that's why in the, in the the book, the last book that I've written power, I talk about the power of family and Mm -hmm. it is normal and natural for your child to follow in the parents' footsteps. They want to, it's normal. It's only when we put them in the public school system that they have new parents. It's not the teachers, it's the peers and the new, the, the peers start to mentor them and shape them. And the peers will almost always win over the parents because we don't abuse our kids, you know, like we stop short of abuse and in that environment, so toxic, like they will, they will punish your kid for being different, for not following the peers and not becoming a part of that gang family that yeah. is in the school. But naturally a child follows in his father's footsteps. It's natural. Yeah. The other thing you have to realize is, so we today are very wise on like this transgender stuff or this, this <laughs> latest stuff or so, yeah. but what we don't realize is this has been going on for 500 years. Yeah. Waves and waves and waves of propaganda. Many of the classics, this was a shock to me and I have them on Blue Man Academy, 
are merely yesterday's propaganda. And that's why they're important. We've lost a lot of the great Christian authors, yeah. even Jane Austen. I love Jane Austen, by the way. And, and we read Jane Austen and I like it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Take us back to a point, but she was popular for a reason. And one of, they are teaching us anti-wisdom. They're stuffing it down mm-hmm. our throats. Like this yeah. will empower you. And then the, the like, I, I don't want to give any specific examples, but one of those things that they propagandized us with when I was a kid is every single movie that would come out of Disney or or Hollywood or something like that. It was about this child and they had this dream apart from their family and yes. their yes. family was yep. trying to hold them back and they right. broke away. And then brainwashing them becomes they follow their heart. Wild yeah. hearts can't be broken. They follow their dreams and yes. they, they live the dream and they accomplish it. And then a lot of times at the end, the parents come back and apologize and they realize you can't control your kid. You can't push your kid. You can't direct them. They're a free spirit. And this yeah. is this is a propaganda wave in the same way that Hollywood is propagandizing yes. us certain agendas now. They've been yep. doing this for a long time. So yes. we all grew up. Another one, which I, I talk about in the very beginning of the book, Power, the most evil thing that the Christians could have ever swallowed is that power corrupts. So we've all believed that we need to limit government. We need we'll you know, more accountability. You know, power to the people and stuff because power corrupts. Power corrupts absolutely. You know, absolutely. And um, and most of us would accept that. I think in the conservative Christian world, and it's, I I think it's a, it's absolutely false. And what it's mm-hmm. done is it's it's made Christians think that any any ambition to become influential or powerful in the world is evil, mm-hmm. and and they need in the secret to society succeeding is for us to be as as powerless as possible. And our officials have you know, no authority, no power. And that's not what the Christian church has ever taught. The Christian mm-hmm. church teaches that sin corrupts. Right. And that is it. And by, by adopting this lie, Christians have stepped out of power. They've been afraid to become wealthy. They've been afraid to be, to be ambitious in the world. And now instead of the great kings like Charlemagne, who took dominion over the pagans and ruled Europe, like we are, we can't even like get on social media anymore. <laughs> Oh, that's like, right. Totally ostracized, that's right. Okay? Yep. And so that was another lie that was spoon fed to us. And we all mm-hmm. take it like a, a dogma, like a yeah. dogma. Jesus right. said it himself almost, but he didn't say it. And talk, constantly the Bible is talking about like, I give you a spirit of power and, mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, wealth, you know, Christians mm-hmm. have totally given up wealth. They, they've been propagandized. Oh yeah. Wealth is evil. And meanwhile, our enemies are all about it. They, they're bankers. Right. That's so right. They, they like all the Christians who were the most wealthy, powerful people in the world. They've given up all their wealth. They think it's shameful. They look down on people with wealth. It's, it's, it's better to be like, we look at the, the homeless people as some sort of saints because they're homeless. <laughs> and, and these people who are rich, rich in the church, they must be evil and corrupt and stuff. And yeah. so it's devastated us with anti-wisdom. And uh, it's made us weak. And that's, this is by design. It's not just happening in the schools. For sure. Yes. Foolishness. Yeah. So that you could just, you can implode and then they know the real wisdom. Mm -hmm. And an example I give you, this is not like, again, we're just so uneducated in in America and in the world. Um, But you go back to Alexander the Great. They understood this all the way back then. Alexander the Great was tutored by Aristotle. He was Mm -hmm. given an elite education. And then Aristotle started publishing books. And Alexander wrote him this nasty letter. I have it in one of my books, but he's like, thanks a lot for nothing, you know, by publishing <laughs> these books. Now, everybody has all the same information I have and I have no <sighs> advantage. And, you know, I don't care about my army as much as my intellectual advantage, you know, like the, I had. And then Aristotle writes back, Aristotle knows. And he says, don't worry, people wouldn't understand the books anyway. You've gotten a special education, so you'll understand it in a way that they couldn't. He's reassuring them that you have an educational advantage. And the people who founded 
public school, we think it's because we had a democracy and they they wanted yeah. to be held accountable and and they were going to make sure every you know American kid could read and write and think and all this stuff. And so we 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 bought into that, but actually yep. we created public education to counter the balance of the printing press and the power of homeschooling, like education was now in anybody's hands. It used to be a book was so expensive. Only the wealthiest people could afford the books and could afford tutors. And now information was everywhere. And so they had to direct and make sure that kids didn't get a powerful education. And so they just yeah. memorized trivia in the schools. Yep. And when they go toe to toe with these elite prep schoolers, they get crushed. Yeah. It's been about dumbing down and every generation gets dumbed down further, don't they? Yeah. But not all of them. No, but I, I mean, mean, as a whole, right? You know, the preponderance yeah. of the populace is being dumbed down and dumbed down and dumbed down. Yeah. And I, I, what I mean by not all of them is, I mean, it's not, it's the antithesis in the public schools or the, the prep schools, that's not happening. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's just, it's just pushing the gulf between uh, the, the classes and the ruling class farther and farther and farther apart. Mm -hmm. It is literally changing, training these kids in yoga and encouraging yeah. them to be fat and not work out and all this That's stuff. Exactly and then these it. kids are training for like an elite UFC That's fight right. and they're crushing us. They're crushing us. But the good thing is, is we do have access to information yes. and the tools. And if, if homeschoolers would just start redirecting, we could raise up some champions really fast. I mean, you, you wouldn't believe I'm going to publish some, some of the works that I'm, I'm mentoring some kids in writing. And it's not like essay writing, like you've ever heard it before. It's powerful. It's beautiful. You'll see. Mm -hmm. And we're doing this. Very quickly, we have a, a coding club. We're raising the next Bill Gate level. Like he's not even that smart. He's he's a <laughs> business. He can code anything. He he's he's a powerful businessman who understands like yeah, yeah. like business and power. And he is well connected in society. It's a it doesn't mean he's smart. <laughs> it doesn't mean he coded anything. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, but we're raising these next kids who will go toe to toe, and they are loyal. They understand the power of character and loyalty in society. To where like my kids know like they'll never work for Disney. I mean, yeah. never, unless they're starving, like yeah. the loyalties to Blue Man Academy. And by having that loyalty, right. we will keep our own kids that we've raised for greatness mm -hmm. and they will take us to the next level. Yeah. Disney can't buy our kids. Yep. Um, yeah. How many families or kids are enrolled in Blue Manor Academy now? You know, so we're talking about this movement. How How is it growing? Well, okay. It's been rough because Blue Manor Academy for a long time has been me and just a few people that I hire here and there and volunteers. So it's, it's been bumpy. So we we had a false start because I read a stupid book and, and my wife convinced me, she's like, you just got to get it out there. So when I first started the academy, the online academy, uh -huh. we only had a few books in like preschool and kindergarten that I personally like wrote, illustrated. It was taking a long time to get more books, you know, yeah. but I was like, I'll just get it out there. So we had yeah. like, we had like 20,000 people sign up, but it was wow. so bad and the site was so full of bugs and I didn't have oh. the money and all this stuff yeah. that it really hurt us. So we had a lot of people, but they're like, this isn't that great. It's not like what he said about in the book, you know? And so they okay. left. So we just started about a month ago promoting it again. And the Academy is really good and it's getting better all the time now. Now we're ready to to, to build. Mm -hmm. So right now we have about 200 active students mm -hmm. that um that weren't just the kind of free people who jumped on in the beginning, but yes, actually using right. the Academy. Mm -hmm. yeah. And the, the testimony is tremendous from the people who get it, who who mm -hmm. read the books and get it and implement it. These kids are phenomenal and phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Like they're on another level. You can just tell yeah. them they're, they're smart and they're thinking about stuff. Like my daughter right now is, she, you know, she's up there reading about real estate and how to invest and how, can we do this? Yeah. And she's on another level. The, the kids aren't even thinking about at that age, right? She's already ready to publish a book. I'll, I'll publish it. I'll put it out there too. 
because I want you to see the quality that we've gotten. And she right. just turned 15. So at 14, she's, she's ready to publish this book. It's on a professional level and she's 14 and she'll only work for Blue Matter Academy and she'll be a teacher in it. Yeah. So what I'm saying is we don't have a lot and the goal will be to not ever have a lot either because yeah. you can't mm -hmm. mass produce greatness. It yeah. takes a certain type of parent. That's so right. I need a parent to buy in. I yes. can't do it from my internet by myself. It'll be yeah. very hard. I need a parent to buy in and yep. the, the husband to buy in and yep. the kids to buy in. And we have some of that now yeah. and we're getting phenomenal results. And we've only been doing the live classes with like 15 kids yeah. mm -hmm. for a few, for like a year. And we're just, okay. wow. it's, it's getting good. Yeah. Hey, tell us about um, the name Blue Manor Academy. Did we talk about that? I don't think so. I've always wondered oh, Blue okay. Manor Academy. where it came from. Yeah. So the idea was blue is the color of not like an emperor, but like kingly. It's royal, the royal blue. Yeah. So we're trying to raise great families. We don't want them in a castle because we might not ever get a king, but we want great families. We want to return the Christian aristocracy. Hmm. And so a manor represented, it was a family home. Like in Europe, those bakery of manners and many, many family members, generational would live in that single family home. It was like a yeah. representation of their family and they would pass it on. It wasn't just a house you bought and you sold someday and you kept moving around. Like it was significant. You defended that manor. That was your land. You, you marked your stake in the ground. So that the manor represents great families. The blue mm -hmm. represents like that royal, regal, noble blue. And mm -hmm. then the great families, because we don't just want wealthy families. We want like the nobility Right. The, the chivalrous. Family. Yeah. The, so the character, right? Academy. Yeah. Character. Yeah. yeah and that, yeah. that's another thing that distinguishes the prep schools. Character is king. Mm -hmm. And it, it really confuses people because you look at people like Biden or Donald Trump or, you know, Obama, whoever. You're yeah. Like, well, they went to prep schools. Like they don't have character. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. What are you talking about? Right. Like, no, no, no. I'm, I'm not talking about that. Your kids are nicer. Your kids might be more virtuous in the homeschool world. What I'm talking about is the kingly characters, like courage. And you can't say Hillary doesn't have courage. I, 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 she, I yeah. shouldn't go to prep school, bad example. But right. she, she grew up in that. Okay, we'll, we'll talk about that someday too, how they yeah. recruit. Because they use like Harvard and Yale to recruit from yeah. the public schools, the genius that is in there. Mm -hmm. But uh, the prep schoolers run it. So like a, a Biden, Obama, he did go to prep school, but he didn't run anything. He's like a spokesman for, for the prep schoolers. He's still not running anything. Oh, did I say that? <laughs> no, he's not. Um, I said Biden. I meant Obama, but yeah, Biden too. Yeah. Yeah. I mm -hmm. mean, he's totally not, but you can see, okay. But like a guy like Trump in one sense, yeah, he's degenerate. He doesn't have all the Christian virtues, but when you talk about like the ability to persevere, mm -hmm. he's still fighting. He's still running for president <laughs> again. Can you believe that? And they're like, right. he's, he's not even mm -hmm. nervous, but he probably is, but he has that he's courageous yeah. and the endurance. I was thinking right. after that last election, Oh my gosh. You want to do is be like, let's do it again. And he's like, we're doing it again. Yeah. <laughs> Look right. at the audacity. He's calling uh -huh. out Republican powers as he's being investigated by the government and the democratic power stuff. And just the audacity to do that. Yeah. They're going to maybe throw him in jail or something. You look at um, Obama, you look at Biden. Okay. Biden is becoming senile, but mm -hmm. he had courageous. He, he's courageous. He's been educated in the subjects of power. He actually is a pretty good orator before he went crazy, lost his mind. <laughs> but in the other thing that I didn't talk about with these nine powers and one of the, the they're all very essential, but is society. Mm. They understand society. They preach democracy to you, but they have a cabal. Yeah. And so- they always appoint their own. They always promote their own. You have to work yeah. your way up the, the ladder 
but they have yes. a, their ticket to the top because their buddies run the system. Yeah. And we would scoff at that and say that's horrible. But I mean, that's what family is. You know, my mm-hmm. daughter will work for the academy. She's my daughter. Mm-hmm. She doesn't have to compete with everybody else necessarily. Maybe, you know, she got to be good. But um, so they have mastered many of these great things. Biden and them, they understand wisdom and Hillary. Like they understand how to play the game, how to fight. And they may not be good people. They may not be going to heaven, mm-hmm. but they have a certain cunning, snake-like cunning, like the Bible right. talks Right. Have that the the wisest serpent, right? They have that, and you can't deny that. And you can't deny that that Trump doesn't have profound character that surpasses a lot of us. Mm. Like, could we get up there day after day and grind and take that pressure and the assaults? And they they raided it, you know, Mar-a-Lago, but he's still running. Could you do that? Hillary Clinton, she could barely walk, she could barely (laughs) and yet she stuck it out and like fought to the bitter end and um, and she's like a sickly old lady. So you can't say it, they don't have some sort of character. Yeah. Some sort of self-control and endurance and passion and um, ambition that maybe our kids don't have. Mm-hmm. Our kids are just trying to get into a good college and get a decent job. Yeah. They're not even thinking about taking dominion. And I, when I talk about prep school, like that's the first thing they do. They like anoint you. They like bring us into the chapel and they're like, you guys may think you're here for whatever reason, you know, but you are here to rule the world. Like you're here to change the world and, and be mm-hmm. world leaders. And they separate the prep schoolers from the public schoolers. Like we, when I, when I wrestled in state, I didn't even realize it. Cause somebody later was like, well, what did you win four a or three? a And I was like, I don't know. So I looked at the back of my medal um, for the wrestling championships. And it was like the prep school league. And then it occurred to me, I was like, yeah, we never really played any public schools they literally separated us. So we didn't even bump into the public schoolers. So that we knew like you were on a special track. Yeah. Associate with those other children, they're going in a different direction. Mm. Just not explicitly stated necessarily, but implied. Yeah. Like your roommates are the people you'll run for, for president with, or you'll, you'll be a CEO and they'll invest in your companies and stuff. So they understand the subjects of power is what yeah. I'm saying. They yeah. have tremendous character, even if it's not all the Christian virtues. Mm-hmm. What about the parents? How do you, uh, so uh, obviously the parents need to be, like you said, completely sold on this and understand this through and through. How do you, you know, is there a thing that you have to go through with just kind of screening exactly who, you know what I'm saying? You want people on the same track, people who are willing to educate themselves. Yeah. What do you mean with the parents? You're talking about the parents of Blue Manor or just parents in Blue general? Manor. Or? Yes. Blue Manor. Okay. So right now it's a great time. We we accept everybody. Mm-hmm. The, the lead prep schools do not accept everybody. They recruit the best. Mm-hmm. And but right now we accept anybody who's willing. And we will have what we do is. It, 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 there's a lot of things that make us very different and very weird for people when they first get on. They're like, I don't know what to do. Like this doesn't yeah. like public school. Like I'm so confused. And I'm like, yeah. you have to read the books. They're only it's only sixty, you know, fifteen hundred pages of them. But um, <laughs> if really you can do that, you're in. Day. Yeah. So what we, what we hope to do with the parents is, is we don't push them. Yeah. We invite them to join. Uh And then we have this thing called kids teach kids, which we just implemented a month or two ago, but kids can make videos. And I, I tell them to make videos for a lot of reasons. One, help your community, educate your friends. You're learning stuff, educate your friends Two, educate others. Because when you teach others, you'll learn to a higher level. So that's two, it's your advantage. Three, you start building your social print because now it's, it's funny. These, these girls, the trammels, they're actually, they've been to more videos of my daughter and everything. And they're like a celebrity. Like people said that, like the moms like said that when people came over, they'd, they were like, oh my goodness, that's that girl I saw on, on Blue yeah. Man and stuff. They're like, so they're building this thing and we're not pushing it. We don't require them to do videos. 
We're looking for those children and those parents who get on board. I'm not here to crack a whip because those are the people we want to work with. Everybody can use the academics on the academy and they can do good things. But those children, like we have a writing mentorship that we handpick the children. We didn't offer it to anybody. We didn't pay it. You're asked, you're invited to join it. And -hmm. the way I did that was we had some of these girls, two girls from that family, and they wrote for Blue Manor Academy for free. They just wrote stuff. They wanted to publish a book on Blue Manor Academy and they got it to a professional level and they published the book, students work on Blue Manor Academy. And so I said, these kids want to write anyway. They're passionate. They did a good job. Now we invite them in. Do you want to be part of the writing club? And we're mm-hmm. we, in, in a few weeks, we'll spend 10, but we've taken their little essay we've worked on for 10 weeks to a level of professional that mm-hmm. when you read it, you'll, you'll get it. You're like, wow, that's beautiful. That's yeah. not just a well-written essay with a good, you know, beginning, middle and good grammar. Like this is beautiful, powerful. Mm. So that's what we're looking to do. We're looking for those kids who are excelling like an art. They want to do it. And then we'll pull them aside for private mentorship. Mm. The other thing we do is we have lots of clubs and the, the clubs are student led. And like we have an art club and the mm-hmm. student leads the club, like, and so they're getting better, but they start to network with each other. Mm. Then if they want to be great, we'll start to see, oh, this kid's doing videos. He's doing every challenge. He's really passionate. Look at how good he is. Let's pull him out and let's start making him a champion in that area. I I cannot do it without the parents' buy-in or the child's Mm buy-in unless they lived in my home. (laughs) But I can't crack the whip from here. I can't form your child's character through my Mm -hmm. books. That's the mind. I can do it intellectually, but I can't because you have to educate body, mind, and spirit. That makes sense. Yeah. So- does that answer your question? I don't even remember. That, what yeah, that really answers my question, but I'm going to leave it up to you to, for your parting thoughts. We're going to end it here, but make it good, Britain. This is it right here. <laughs> oh, your parting okay. thoughts. Dun, dun. Let's hear it. Well, my parting thoughts would just, um, I would recommend you come over to Blue Man Academy and join it. It's not perfect. <laughs> it's not beautiful. Yeah. I'd recommend you read. Actually, before you do that, I mean, we have the books on the Academy, but read The Art of Raising Children for Greatness. The first book is, it's 450 pages, but I mean, it's a quick read. I've had people read it in a weekend. It reads well. And it's the conspiracy of public education. Some Mm -hmm. of this stuff has come out now. It's funny when I wrote this like 10 years ago, I was talking about transgenderism and how it was going through the colleges and it was being put into the military. It's coming down to your elementary school and people are like, you're a fear monger. You're crazy. You know, Mm. like sooner than expected. Yeah. Those same people are like, yeah, and it should be. They should, boys should be allowed in the restrooms, you know? Yeah. But that's nothing. That's nothing. You have to understand what's really going on because it's not the stuff that they're teaching your kids. It's not the pornography that they're introducing your kids. That's nothing. Um, It's the classical conditioning. When you study education in in college, they talk about classical conditioning, Pavlov's dogs. They believe that they can condition responses in your child so that your child will continue to behave and act and think a certain way long after they graduate, no matter what they believe. And I give the example of biting my nails I bite my nails all the time. I don't want to. I don't believe in it. It's a subconscious habit that's been formed. And they believe that by taking your kids in the public school system, they can form these habits so that even if your kid later doesn't believe in it, they still act accordingly because it's a conditioned response. So that I'd read that book. The next one is education, character, the way we form character. It's totally different. The prep schools is totally different than the military. Like it, it, it's, it needs to be more of like, labors like herculean labors Mm. it can't be this academic like what is courage why is courage valuable everybody gets that that's too easy but how do you form courage in a child the military takes random kids there's no courage test they take random kids off the street they put them through boot camp 
and they they instill courage so that they can run into battle and um and they they take you through the 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 fears all of them are natural fears like the fear of claustrophobia tight spaces the fear of mm. public humiliation mm. the fear of heights and you master those mm. um, for claustrophobia when i went through special forces training they it was really easy they they put you in a tiny little box and they locked oh, it gosh. They, they they had us go into a tunnel so in the tunnel went down and it got tighter and it went into Ugh. the ground and then they stack tons of people in front of you and they're climbing and it's hot and it's sweaty. Oh my gosh. And there is a moment where you panic, but by doing this little by little and exposing you to that, eventually you have these fearless soldiers, not fearless, but courageous soldiers yeah. who can overcome those fears. They've been in it. They, they've almost drowned through scuba. You know, they don't do this for everybody, but in special forces is intense. But, you know, I've been through scuba. I've almost drowned several times, you know, going through pre-scuba and stuff. And you overcome those fears, you become a courageous person. You can do that with your children. But we mm. do the academic stuff. We get a book and we talk about the values of being nice or courage and stuff. Well, that doesn't mean anything. You know, The fear of public speaking isn't a real fear. The fear is the fear of public humiliation. Mm. And it's deep and it controls. Why do you think kids have so much control, the peers in public school? Mm -hmm. It's the fear of public humiliation. Your child is terrified. If they don't go along, they will be publicly humiliated. How do you educate that out of them. You can't say, well, it's the right thing to do. And that's the mind. How do you train the body? How do you train the spirit to be okay, overcome that fear of public humiliation? So we talk about how to do that and you have to get the character right. And then the last book is power and educating your children, the subjects of power. So I'd recommend that. And then join the fight. We have to build a society. Your, your kids are not superheroes. They need a cabal in the best <laughs> sense. They need a society so that someday when they run for president, they can go back and, and, and say, hey, I got these three kids. These will be my, my cabinet. I can trust them. They're blue manner. They're loyal. Mm. If they want to start a media company to say, hey, we don't have any money, but let's chip in together. We'll code for free. We'll build this thing up. We'll network. We'll partner. And they have that, which the prep schoolers do. And so I would highly encourage you, you know, find us on Facebook or read the books or reach out to me. Go to Blue Manor Academy. You can do a 30-day trial. Don't be disappointed. It's not what you look like. It's Rome wasn't built in a day, mm -hmm. but it's going to be great. And it's there. Enough is there to start. But join our movement. We need you. We're recruiting you. If you're inspired. If, if your kid is having diff... I don't know. We're looking for the best, all right? And if you <laughs> follow the messages, I can take them. I would, they were bad kids at prep school. The worst kids, the dumbest kids at prep school. Okay? <laughs> and they brought them to the highest level very yeah. quickly. So I can do it if you're willing. If you're willing. But if you're not willing and, and mm. you've got it all figured out and stuff, I, I don't know. I guess what I'm saying is just come with an open mind and, 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 and have some faith. And we're doing it. I'm doing it with my own kids. I, the proof is in the pudding. I'll prove it to you. I'll show you the kids what they're writing, what they're doing. Look at the coding club. It's weird. It's run by kids. It's a little clunky. It's not super professional and doesn't have all the graphics. It's literally just my son teaching the other kids. Mm. But if you can get past the image of it and look at what's mm -hmm. going on, this is phenomenal. They're a bunch of nine-year-old, 10-year-old kids. They're talking languages we can't understand, mm -hmm. coding real websites, not like Scratch. It's phenomenal what's happening. And you're in the, we've planted the seed and it's not impressive. It's little, but watch what we grow. Yeah. So that's my, that's really good. I don't know. Thank you so much, Britton. Yeah. How interesting and just sounds phenomenal. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for having me. It's great to finally meet you. So good. <laughs> Raising children for greatness. That is our job. That is our goal. It's why the Lord gave us these kids. Be blessed friends. Mm -hmm.